Righteous, ratchet, real. Real, real. Righteous, ratchet, real. Righteous, ratchet, real. Righteous, ratchet, real. Real, Righteous, ratchet, and real. Real, real. I feel exposed. Okay. Welcome to the Righteous, Ratchet, and Real podcast. This podcast is for people who love God, but sometimes side-eye the church. We're three friends balancing the secular and sacred, the righteous and ratchet, as we discuss current topics through a gospel lens. We might say some things we're not supposed to. But you are probably thinking it anyway. You know how we say in the church. Charge to our head and not our heart. We're going to keep it real. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, good whatever time of day it is that you have tuned in to the Righteous, Ratchet, and Real podcast. We greet you. We greet you today, and we thank you for joining us in our discussion about hard conversations. Uh, For this series, we have pulled back the covers on some of the messes that people in the church have made, huge messes, Lord help us. And we're having the hard conversations about them. On our last episode, we talked about why some have chosen to leave the church. Uh, But today we take a look at why some have stayed. I'll say for myself that I love the church. I love going. I love being present with my brothers and sisters in Christ. Honestly, I can't see me doing otherwise. It's worth the risk for me to stay. Uh, but there are some who recognize the mistakes and the errors, the ratchetness, the sheer ratchetness, and have stayed, but they're creating alternative spaces for those who desire to do church differently and in non-traditional ways. Um, of course, I'm joined today by my sister, Keisha. Keisha, say hello to everybody. Hey, everybody. Oh. And Renee, she's coming. She's she's in another meeting, but she will be here. Uh, but we also have today with us Christian Smith. He is the founding pastor of the faith community and curator of Holy Smokes. He is a graduate of the Alabama AM University. Yes. Uh, yes, say and that. McAfee School of Theology. Yes. Uh, but if you see Christian, if you know him, he is always clean and he owns P-squared clothiers. He designs and makes suits and shoes and clothes with all the accessories and trimmings. The brother is bad, y'all. He is. He's an author, uh, and his book is titled Breaking All the Rules, an Ancient Framework for Modern Faith. I'm so proud and honored to know this young brother and to watch him do what he does. And so I want to, of course, introduce to you all Christian Smith. So Christian, uh, come into the room, tell us about yourself, what you do, and describe for us your faith journey. Welcome, my brother. Well, thank you for having me, Greta. It's, it's good to be here with you. And, and Dr. T, thank you for allowing me to be here with you, too. Uh, as as Greta mentioned, I am Christian A. Smith. Uh, most people who encounter me these days know me uh, for deconstructing harmful theology and building beloved community one cigar at a time with the Holy Smoke Cigars and Spirituality podcast community. 
Uh, so we have a good time over there. We smoke cigars, drink bourbon, cuss, talk about life, faith and theology and how much we love Jesus or how much we have questions about Jesus or how we're undecided about Jesus. Wherever you are in that spectrum, we just talk about it over at Holy Smokes. Uh, and when it comes to my faith journey, a lot of people want to know, how did you get to the point of Holy Smokes? Mm. Like, I, I, what led you here? And I'm a, I'm a fifth generation Baptist preacher. My dad is a, a native of Greenville, Mississippi. My mom is from Central Texas. They got married after attending Bishop College in Dallas and raised me in California. Uh, so I was a city kid that grew up in a country house. <laughs> and uh, when when I went away for college at Alabama A&M, I told my parents I wasn't coming back mm -hmm. and I did not. Uh, so I can <laughs> I continued on. Uh, and with my ministry and acknowledged my call to preach in 2007. And when I acknowledged my call to preach, my dad told me, son, a call to preach is a call to prepare. Mm -hmm. So make sure you put the time and the energy and the effort into learning mm -hmm. and understanding and educating yourself. So I, I filed that. Uh, at the time, uh, because I was currently working on an MBA. Mm -hmm. So I thought I'll, I'll come back to that later. Let me go ahead and do my my corporate grind right now. And we'll figure that out later. And uh, that's not how it worked out. <laughs> Seldom does. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But the corporate grind halted in 2013 when I felt led to go to seminary. And that's when I attended McAfee School of Theology at Mercy University. And that's when everything changed. Uh, prior to my time at Mercer University, I considered myself a critical thinker. That's how my parents raised me. Mm -hmm. But they they didn't necessarily uh, advise me or give me permission to use that critical thought about my faith and my theology. Mm -hmm. We were more so taught to creatively regurgitate what we had always heard right. um, within our, you know, our, our communities of faith. So I got to seminary at McAfee and my professors and my classmates said, oh, no, we want you to engage into your critical thinking here. Mm -hmm. And we're going to give you the tools mm -hmm. to help you engage your critical thinking. Mm -hmm. And I was like, oh, word. <laughs> <laughs> right. And um, that's when my deconstruction really began. When mm -hmm. I started to pick apart my embedded theology, not because I thought it was wrong, mm -hmm. but because I had never considered how much there was outside of it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I have more so seen it as the only way to exist rather than one viable option among many others. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And that opened my eyes a lot and, and led me to this point of determining I want to do ministry that is authentic to who I am and who I believe God has called me to be and who I believe God has called me to minister to. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And in order for me to do that, the conventional ways of doing ministry just weren't going to suffice. Gotcha. So that's how we got to this place. Cool, cool, cool. So when you say you didn't want to do conventional how does your ministry differ? I know you mentioned the cigars, you mentioned the cuss, whatever, but what other, <laughs> ways, what other ways do you see yourself being non-conventional? Uh, 
it's the way we encourage authenticity at every stage of the journey. Hmm. So much of my faith tradition of origin was tied to groupthink. Mm. This is what we all believe. Mm -hmm. This is how we all live it out. This is what this means. And they can't mean any mean anything else. Mm -hmm. uh, and because nobody wants to be marginalized by the community or to be put out of the community, we go along with it. Right. Even if within ourselves we say, well, I don't really believe that, but you know, whatever. I'm just going to put that into this compartment over here and mm -hmm. just keep moving forward. And now we live in this generation of people who are like, nah, I'm not compartmentalizing this stuff. Like, I'm not going to be a part of a ministry that I vehemently disagree with on a very serious matter. So we either need to converse about this matter or I'm out. Mm -hmm. We either need to be honest about this matter or I'm not doing it anymore. Yeah. So I wanted to create a space where all of those concerns, all of those questions, all of that pushback was not only allowed, but embraced. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So whatever questions, pushbacks, feelings you have about the Bible, about Jesus, about God, let's talk about it. And yeah. we and we ground that in a theological framework that is drastically different from what you'll see in most churches. So our theology is unconventional. Mm -hmm, I, cur mm -hmm. I curated a brand of theology called Greatest Commandment Theology that I came to during my deconstruction process because I saw so many holes in my embedded theology. I was like, I still know God is real. Like mm -hmm. I've experienced too much personally. Right. Right. Yeah to give up on the notion of a divine being a force beyond me, whether mm -hmm. I call that force God or not, I know there's something. Mm -hmm. God is just the language that I use to describe that something. Right. And so I knew that I couldn't go the route of just completely doing away with it. So I said, is there anything in the scriptures that I can use as an anchor? Hmm. Because my faith tradition of origin told me the inerrancy of the Bible was my anchor. Mm -hmm. If it's in the Bible, that's all I need. Mm -hmm. But then I, but then I started really studying the Bible and I was like, Nope, that's oh. insufficient. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> that's not going to work. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, so I landed on the greatest commandment. Jesus was asked mo multiple times in the gospels. What's the greatest commandment in the law? And his response was love God with your heart, soul, mind, and your strength. And the second part is like it or equal to it, depending on which translation you read, mm -hmm. love your neighbor as yourself. Mm -hmm. So Jesus is saying that your love for God is expressed through how you love your neighbor and your love for your neighbor is a reflection of how you love yourself. Because he says everything in the law mm -hmm. and everything yeah. in the prophets hinge on these two. Yeah. So you can't separate love for God and love for neighbor itself because he says everything hinges on both of them. Mm -hmm. So if you take one of them away, you no longer have the greatest commandment. Right. Right. So you so a lot of people try to separate love for God and love for neighbor as self. Mm -hmm. And even worse, a lot of people try to remove the self part. Because mm -hmm, mm -hmm. the minute I tell people that loving yourself is at the core of the mm -hmm. gospel of Jesus Christ, I get all types of pushback. 
Mm-hmm. Well, no, the Bible says you got to deny yourself. And therein <laughs> lies the problem mm. with, with the Bible and the inerrancy of the Bible being the foundation. Because, yeah, the Bible does say deny yourself and it says love yourself. So how do we flesh that out? Right. Right. right? So it's not just a cookie cutter way of doing mm-hmm. church and theology, but we embrace the nuance that is life, the nuance that is theology and spirituality. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, I thought about you the other day when you talked in terms of deconstructing faith. I was having a conversation. My husband and I were having a conversation with my son and uh, we were getting ready to go to church. Mm. He came out plain clothes. We dressed for church. Uh-huh. And my husband's like, what you doing? You know, talking to my son, what you doing? And my my son goes, what is all this dressing up for God stuff? <laughs> Uh-huh. He said, is, is, is God going to hear my and th- literally is God going is that going to make God hear my prayers more? Uh, uh-huh. is, is am I going to be more holy because I dressed up? And of course, I wanted to punch him. <laughs> you're 17, you ain't supposed to be thinking like that. And I really don't have an answer for you. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was the gist of it. I really didn't. You know, I did. But I'm just amazed. And so I see him even doing that questioning Mm. the things that we've put in him why is this important god don't care about what kind of clothes i got on you know what's funny (laughs) when we remove that requirement from people Mm -hmm. many of them will come back and say i want to get dressed up Mm, mm, mm -hmm. that's happening right now because you know we don't have a dress code in my Mm -hmm. ministry like come as you are whatever that is now i'm a clothier so i wear custom suits because that's what i do for a living Mm -hmm. right but it's not a reflection of what everybody else needs to do but what i found recently is that there are members of my team and members in my church who are like when we gonna dress up Like y'all dress up whenever y'all get ready. Right. right. <laughs> come come as you are means if you feel comfortable dressed up, mm-hmm. then come dressed up. Mm-hmm. If you feel comfortable in shorts and a t-shirt, come in shorts and a t-shirt. Right. right. Because com- community shouldn't be about everybody looking uniform unless mm-hmm. that's what we all agree we want to do. And frequently that's that's not what we all agree we want to do exactly (laughs) right and and like you said earlier and and even some of the things that you believe and it's like i really didn't care what the boy had i just wanted him to go yeah you know i'm whispering that because my husband's in the next room (laughs) but but you know what do you do with that um i'm just yeah Let, let me move on keisha you have anything before we move on to the to our next I was just going to say that I think that that struggle for uniformity is interesting to me because it feels like there's some sort of validity in our faith practice. If we think the same, walk the same, Mm. look the same. And so the multi-generational aspect of church is where I think we find the biggest like collision in that respect, you know, because I feel like younger people are naturally forming their faith. And as they form their faith, questioning and pushback, especially when you're talking about kids getting ready for college, going Mm -hmm. to college. So 
some of the theological things that we've been teaching them in Sunday school, they're absolute truths. Then right. they have to say, this doesn't quite mesh with what I've learned in right. school. And so right. older people have a really hard time when you're talking about creation and yeah. they're like, oh, wait a minute, you're learning something different than God just, you know, formed humanity and you're pushing back with evolution and why it could be a real, you know, aspect of, of what things are. And so creating space where we are open enough to have mm. conversations and have people question, have mm. people be honest, especially younger people, because mm. if they feel like they don't have an honest space, then why show up? Right. Mm -hmm. They want to live in their authenticity and who they are and be able to question. And so I think in terms of why stay or how I've, you know, kind of traverse that whole staying aspect is that I'm always creating space where I allow for open dialogue. Mm -hmm. Right. Because I'm okay with that. I'm okay with you pushing back. I'm okay with you deciding that, you know, you don't believe in the model that, you know, has been preached to you all these years. And for some reason, we take offense to that. Like it's mm -hmm. I mean, like it's a pushback against us. And yeah. I'm like, it's not, you know, it's okay. Yeah. It's not, it's it's not in in practicality, like, but to the person that feels assaulted. It is real in theory because so many of us have tied our entire identity to our faith. Hmm. So when you start to push back against the precepts yeah. of our faith, you're pushing back against our entire identity. Mm -hmm. And it does become personal. And I'm not saying that we shouldn't push back as a result. I'm just saying I understand it from the perspective of the person who this faith is their entire life. Right. Their, their ability to adhere to the rules of their theology mm -hmm. makes them right with God. Mm -hmm. So when we come around saying, well, that rule isn't re really necessary. There's another way to look at that. Like, what do you mean? There's another way to look at that. My whole identity has mm -hmm. been based on this. There's, here's a spoiler alert because I was I was uh, thinking about doing something um, on TikTok about uh, Wakanda Forever. Mm -hmm. There's a there's a a part in Wakanda Forever where they realize that another culture has access to vibranium. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I forget the head warrior's name, but she said, I'm still trying to grapple with the fact that somebody else on the planet mm -hmm. has vibranium. Mm -hmm. All of the stories, all of the folklore, all of the myth and the legends that I have embraced are rooted in the reality that we're the only ones right. that got the vibranium. And now you mean to tell me there are these other people under the sea that don't even mm -hmm. look like us who got vibranium too? Mm. That's what people go through when they hear about folk deconstructing mm -hmm. from, from rule-keeping religion. It's like, I thought we were the only ones that had access to God because mm. we got access to God through Jesus. I thought we were the only ones who really had the understanding of what love is. And now they're finding out, oh, other people have their version of it that doesn't align with ours. And that mm -hmm. thing will mess you up. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Absolutely. So Isaiah 43, 19 says, I am about to do a new thing. Now it springs forth. Do you not perceive it? Christian, 
So often when people strike out to do something new, to break tradition, to buck the system, if you will, change the front on the church program, whatever the case may be, the church, the institution has come down so hard on those people. What was it like for you to tread out in these waters um, of doing church differently, especially with deconstructing faith and what advice might you give to those who are testing the waters, dipping the toe in, wanting to wade out in those waters themselves? Scary, lonely, mm. isolating. That's how it feels. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. When, you know, I'm a, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm a church kid. The majority of the meaningful relationships that I've had throughout the course of my life, I developed in church or because of church. Mm-hmm. My, my God parents, my God siblings, my mentors, mm-hmm. some of my closest friends mm-hmm. all came from my connection to church. So to feel led to do something differently, mm-hmm that might get me put out of that space Mm -hmm. was scary as hell Mm -hmm. because that was all I had ever known. But I knew I couldn't go against myself. Mm -hmm. I knew I couldn't give up myself in order to fit in with the community because then I would just go crazy and I'd be in the community, but I would still be lonely because Mm. I wouldn't be able to connect anybody in that space on that particular level. So yeah, getting into this space was very lonely. Um, mm-hmm. But the resolve that I had and that I still have is rooted in the impact that is having on people's lives. Right. Uh, so my ministry is incredibly polarizing. Like, mm-hmm. so the hate that I get is just as strong as the love. Oh, wow. Hey, mm-hmm. I, I've been called an agent of the devil, a, the the spawn of Satan, enemy of God. I've been called any the Antichrist. Mm. Uh, you you name it, I've been called it. All right, but the offside the, the the offset of that is the people who have said, "I feel safer in the world because you exist." Mm. Wow, mm-hmm. I wanted to take my life until I came across your ministry. Mm. Jesus. So it's it's those testimonies mm-hmm. that let me know, regardless of who is rejecting what I'm offering, I know I'm helping somebody. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And the people who reject it aren't being harmed by it. They're just uncomfortable with it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I don't care if they get angry. I don't care if they get upset. I don't care if they call me an idiot or call me stupid or call me ridiculous or whatever, because again, I've been called all of it. And it's Mm -hmm. always people who lack intelligence, who try to attack somebody else's intelligence. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Uh, But, but that's been the journey for me. And I've benefited from having people go before me who buck the system mm-hmm. and being prepared for it. I saw what happened to Tone, AKA mm-hmm. B Slade, mm-hmm. when he decided to live in his truth as a same gender loving man. And he said, I'm not trying to get delivered. I am who I am, mm-hmm. right? And mm-hmm. 
the church socially crucified him. I saw what happened with Carlton Pearson right. when when he embraced the gospel of inclusion, mm-hmm. and he he immediately got deplatformed. Mm-hmm. Well, I got deplatformed too. I just wasn't the I wasn't the level of um, persona that they were. I didn't have the following that they had. But at the point where I started to embrace this theology and share it publicly, I had a little itinerary, you know. Mm. You know, my 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 dad created opportunities for me in his passing because he he was well respected. So a lot of the people who would invite him to preach started inviting me to come preach. Okay. So I had these standing invitations annually where I would go from, you know, different places in the country. I'm talking about coast to coast. Mm-hmm. I was preaching all over the country. And when I started sharing this information and sharing my evolution publicly, I immediately got deplatformed. Mm-hmm. Invitations were rescinded. Nobody wanted to hear what I had to say anymore. Um, I'm talking about one church had just told me months prior, mm-hmm. this particular Sunday in the year moving forward is going to be Christian Smith Sunday. Mm. He come in every year to talk to us after the mm-hmm. way he just blessed us. Months later, they found out how I was evolving theologically and called me and said, no, we gonna go a different route. Oh, wow. Like yeah. you just heard me preach a couple of months ago when I believe the same mm-hmm. thing that I believe mm-hmm. now. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So what I will say to anybody who is thinking about treading out in these waters, particularly if you're going to be as loud as I am and as re- as resolute as I am, because not everybody's called to do that. Mm-hmm. So, right. People, right. There are a lot of people who think along the same lines that I do, but have a temperament to instead help the institutional church turn from within. Mm-hmm. And evolve mm-hmm. from within. My temperament was better equipped to start something new. Okay. But both are important. Mm-hmm. So if you're going to be as loud as I am in in your deconstruction and your affirmation and your critique of what the church has been and how it can be better, understand you're more than likely going to get deplatformed. Mm-hmm. And that's important for most, if not all, black preachers who come up in the black church because mm-hmm. that's what it's about. We all looking to get platformed, mm-hmm. and it's not a bad thing. There's a system of black church, and what happens is when you are when you impress the people who have the platform, they give you an opportunity on their platform, mm-hmm. and if you perform well on the platform, you get to another platform until right. you have your own platform. So if you're trying to build something and there's nobody to platform you, you have to figure it out for yourself, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and that is a huge challenge that anybody who goes into this space has to embrace until this space has its own sustainable platform that we can then open up to other people and help them to grow and build communities of their own so that this type of ministry can spread and can impact lives in a, mm-hmm. you know, a beneficial way. So yeah, this got to give up the, give up the, the idea or the hope of being platformed mm-hmm. if you go into this space and consider it a blessing if you do because it shouldn't be an expectation you got to get it out the mud if you go this route well brother I, I will say that you definitely are creating those spaces you mentioned holy smokes of course faith community but i th- think your wife has yeah. 
yeah, can you tell us some more about the other spaces that you guys have created? Absolutely. My wife uh, is a religious trauma expert. She has a a practice called therapy and theology mm-hmm. that helps people recover from the traumatic effects of their religious mm-hmm. indoctrination or their religious experience. Wow. Uh, so religious trauma is a new field of study within the past, I don't know, couple couple decades mm-hmm. where uh, people in the emotional and the mental health field are starting to really take a look at the traumatic effects that people experience in church and because of church culture. And my wife specializes in it. She works with people daily. And a lot of times because of her understanding of religious trauma, she's she is able to help people trace a lot of the social issues that they face Mm. to what they learned in church. Like wow. that's what a good therapist does yeah. is they help you to backtrack into how mm-hmm. you got to where you are so you can mm-hmm. understand how you got to where you are and know how to move forward healthily. Right. So a lot of times people will come to her and they not really think it's about religion because she doesn't only do religious trauma. Mm-hmm. You know, ther- therapy and theology is is the niche because uh-huh. right. it's something that not a people, not a lot of people know about and people who do know about it generally you don't get black women practitioners in the space mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but people will come to her for any number of things and will discover oh that's because of my theology i don't get along with people because of my theology mm-hmm. i'm socially awkward because of my theology i am really uncomfortable with sex because of my theology Mm -hmm. I'm really uncomfortable meeting new people because of my theology. I mean, this is just what people go through. So therapy and theology is a necessary movement to help people deal with the emotional impact Mm -hmm. of of, uh, rule keeping high demand religion. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. we work together in that regard because sometimes people come to her trying to process the emotional trauma right. and and sometimes people need to spend some time with me to figure out what they believe mm-hmm. because some people some people go to her and then she'll help them as much as she can and then say okay you need to have a conversation or two with Christian cuz you got to you got to filter through your beliefs mm-hmm. so that we can do some more work on the trauma mm. Because it's it's difficult to really pinpoint the trauma if you don't know what you believe. Mm -hmm. You got to figure out what you believe and why. Right. And then there's some unpacking that can happen there. So therapy and theology is very near and dear to my heart. If anybody wants to check it out, go to therapy and theology dot com. That's a it's it's not and theology It's the letter N. So, Mm -hmm. yeah, therapy in theology dot com. And you can learn a lot more about it there. All right. And you've also been doing something with. um, I I saw something you did about woman, womanist theology and African. Oh, yeah. 
<laughs> yeah. So <laughs> Holy Smoke Cigars and Spirituality is a ministry of the faith community. What we've learned over the past two years is that it is the number one driver of people into the faith community. Okay. A lot of people are part of Holy Smokes and don't even know they're participating in a ministry of a church because mm -hmm. Holy Smokes is like its own community, um, okay. but it is a part of a larger ecosystem called the faith community. So Holy Smokes is the number one driver of people into TFC. Mm -hmm. Black women and African spirituality is the most popular topic at Holy Smokes. Hmm. Okay. okay. There, there is a movement of Black women that is growing by the day and they are learning how to reconnect to our ancestral spiritual practices mm. the spirituality that carried us mm -hmm. for hundreds of thousands of years prior to shadow slavery mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. prior to the transatlantic slave trade the same spiritual practices that we carried over here from Africa. Mm -hmm. And when Christianity was forced on us, we incorporated those practices into our observance of Christianity, mm -hmm. which is where you get the practice of hoodoo. Mm -hmm. And so much of black Christian spirituality in America is influenced by African spirituality. So when we bring black women together, who are tapping in to this African spirituality. When I tell you, it's like a revival hmm. because it's like all these black women who felt drawn to it, mm -hmm. but didn't know what to do with it and thought they were by themselves. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And then they see, Oh no, there are other people who are doing this. And, and, and what's very unique about how we do it in our space is we're talking about black women who still have a connection to the black church, but are also engaging in uh, African spiritual religions. Hmm. So it's no longer a situation in, in this generation, which makes sense uh, with how much exposure we have. There's no, there, it's no longer a situation where if you engage in one spiritual practice, that's the only one in which you can engage. Mm, mm -hmm. So if you're a part of a Christian community of faith that don't mess with African spirituality, don't mess with Buddhist meditation, don't do yoga, don't nah. We got people in that community who are very much in love with Jesus. Mm -hmm. Like, I mean, 10 toes down, love Jesus. And they use crystals and they use tarot cards. And they have an intentional altar where they do ancestor veneration. And it is that plurality, that that nuance that is really bubbling up and is starting with black women. Wow. I um, saw in one of the episodes of Holy Smokes that one of the young women talked about that whole idea of Christian plus. Yeah. And I never heard that term before. But then I looked at the unfit Christian and I was like, she also identifies in that way. And I think that it is a completely 
refreshing model to not have like my grandmother i was like we're west indian and so my grandmother is a strict seven day adventist and so you know that idea of voodoo hoodoo all of that stuff she's like "Mm -mm, that's the devil we don't mess with the devil (laughs) and so i never thought about the fact that i was like we have the ability to tap back into those things and uh for greta ronnie and i when we were taking classes with dr wright One of our classes, Dr. Rachel Harden, talked about the comparison between how religion developed, you know, so Santeria and and how the Black church parallels that, honestly. Mm -hmm. And we never realized that. So, you know, when we went to um, Africa, we were in Ghana, and we're seeing them shouting. We're like, that's Black church right there. And so, you know, that freedom to be like, we don't have to give up what we always held as truths and that we get to practice all of it and form our own religious faith system. And you know what's beautiful about that, that we got to keep in mind that shouting that we saw in Africa, that's not something that Africa got from us. That's something we carried from Africa. So Black Christianity in many ways is an expression of African spirituality. When we when we bump, when we we put on that click track and we go for it, they number they number the ring shout. That's all it is. (laughs) You put them side by side, Mm -hmm. put a video of us shouting in church side by side with a ring shout. It's the same thing. We brought that over. That's our heritage. But we were taught to demonize African spirituality and we bought into it. But we're still doing the same stuff because it's in us. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Africanisms that are us, like they're there and yeah. they're there across the diaspora. You yes. Know? <clears throat> Absolutely. Absolutely. It's all there. And the, the challenge for us now is how do we lean into that? Mm-hmm. How to how do we uh, reclaim it? Right, because we're already doing it. How how can we reclaim it and imbue the power into that that we've imbued in the other things in our mm-hmm. churches? Because mm-hmm. mm-hmm. we imbue power into the things that are meaningful to us. I heard somebody recently say that black people imbue power into the name of Jesus. Hmm. Hmm. Yeah. Because something does happen when we call the name yeah. of Jesus. Yeah. I, but I think it's the power that we've imbued into that name. Because when you look at uh, different spaces, particularly if you go into white evangelical spaces, when they call on the name of Jesus, there's a different energy. There, there's a different type yeah. of power mm-hmm. that evangelical fundamentalist Christianity imbues into that name. Mm-hmm. So we have the power within us to ascribe to whatever we want to ascribe it to. Why not ascribe that power to the things that carried us for all that time? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Because God is there too. Mm-hmm. 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 Absolutely. So this might be the final question. I don't know. We'll see. But with people leaving the church in just droves, you would think, uh, and really it's not even what we would think. The numbers are there. Um, It's been said that more than 50% of Americans do not go to church. Mm -hmm. Um, Do you, and what I hear and see you've done is you have completely renovated some spaces. So this whole notion of renovate or die, 
do you see Christian, these churches that insist on maintaining the status quo, do you think they're going to be able to survive or, well, not even, or let's, let's, let's deal with that first. Do you think those churches will survive? I think some will and some won't. Mm -hmm. I think, I think there will always be, uh, well, I shouldn't say always. I think more than likely we're going to have black conservative fundamentalist rigid spaces that mm -hmm. don't want to move. Yeah. And, and okay. Like continue. If, if you have a sustainability model that will allow you to keep doing ministry like that and survive, then go ahead. But a, a lot of ministries aren't going to be able to make it. Yeah. It, it's just, yeah. it's not, it's not going to be sustainable right. uh, because society is moving in a different direction, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. which means the pool is getting smaller mm. for the people who want to maintain the status quo. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. it's not it's not enough people to go around for the people who want to maintain the status quo, because, of course, you know, all of that is is tied to how do you sustain something? And mm -hmm. if we're accustomed to having this large pool of people to pull from to then tell how they need to be a part of our church and only our church and all of the money that they give needs to come to our church. Well, there are less people now that can do that. So inevitably some of these churches are going to die. Yeah. But the church will continue to exist. True. Now, the, the church is not going anywhere, but churches are going to die. And some already have. I mean, there have been so many yeah. COVID casualties that it's, it's too many to count. Just, yeah. just couldn't maintain throughout the pandemic. Absolutely. Uh, and as an AME, uh, I asked that question because, and Keisha, you can amen or no, but because mm -hmm. Keisha's AME too, Christian. So okay, it, it, this is truly a challenge in our denomination um, mm -hmm. because we are very traditional. Mm -hmm. And so trying to create spaces for other trying to do ministry differently, trying to, I don't even want to say buck the system, but just change the fun on the program mm -hmm. is mm -hmm. a, is, it's a big deal. Mm -hmm. And so for us, when I ask renovate or die, I don't want to say the Amy church is dying, but the numbers are certainly on the decline. Mm -hmm. yeah. So for us, it is, it is, we, we have to begin to explore doing something different, ministering to those who are not as traditional as we are. And that has been a challenge. You know, it's been a topic of discussion even since before COVID, but we have not settled on, and, and not to say that there's a one size fit all, that's not what I'm saying at all, but just in general, it seems to be a, a real challenge for us to just do anything differently. Right. I think what we we all have to grapple with, those of us who desire to do something different, we all have to grapple with the reality that the main thing we got to change is our theology. Mm. People aren't leaving church because they don't like the music. Mm -hmm. They're mm -hmm. not leaving. They're not leaving church because worship lasts too long. Mm -hmm. They're not mm -hmm. leaving church because of the dress code. They leave in church because they find the theology be harmful. Mm, wow. So, 
Ooh, that right there just really, really caught me because I'm thinking about even like one of my friends, you know, he's um, and, and a number of people who I know that are um, same gender loving people, for example, and how that's caused splits in the church, how it's caused people who are allies to be very upset. We know that AMEs, we, you know, last general conference were just angry because mm -hmm. it wasn't even allowed to be put on the floor. Like they just skipped over that joint. Like it wasn't even a thing. Wow. And so I think about one of my friends and he's, you know, his whole idea is he said, you know, everybody keeps talking about, they want biblical, you know, examples of sexuality. He's like, y'all don't really want biblical models of sexuality. He said, because we're talking about teenage girls and older men. Exactly. We've already decided that is not, you know, acceptable as a society. So why is it that we keep holding on to these ideas and not even exploring some of the theological things, you know, that say mm, maybe that interpretation that they have been giving us all these years is not correct. And so that really hit me to think about, you know, the fact that people are being harmed in church and we want them to sit there. Mm -hmm. And to hear the harmful theology that does not affirm them as a person and does mm -hmm. not affirm family members and all of these things. And we say, come Sunday after Sunday mm -hmm. and hear you act like these people are terrible, you know. And so just thinking about so many different layers of things, of theology, aspects of theology that we have been hearing that were not affirming us. And there was a generation where people sat there, but... People are like, I'm good. I, I don't need to sit here and be berated, you mm -hmm. know, in order to just be part of a community. Mm -hmm. And so yeah. instead, people are creating alternative spaces and community, and they're like, I don't need this. Right. Yeah, absolutely. That the people don't the people don't want to change much else, to be perfectly honest. Mm -hmm. That's why black people aren't leaving as fast. Mm -hmm. Because the culture is so strong. Mm. We want the music. I, I, the, the more I do this ministry, the more I learn that people want that stuff that makes them feel warm mm -hmm. and cozy and reminds them of their upbringing. Even after they have gone through the process of undoing a lot of their theology and now there's, they're putting it back together or maybe they're still undoing it. They still want to sing them old songs that raised us. Like if it had not been for the Lord on my side, where would I be? Right. Right. They still want to sing those songs. Mm -hmm. They still, mm -hmm. they still, they still want to hand clap. They still want to foot stump. They still want to dance. They just don't want to do the harmful theology. And right. the way that we approach it in our space, and I believe that the number one thing that we have to address is our view of scripture. Mm -hmm. So I start people there. You know, shout out to, to Daniel Thomas, the unfit Christian. You mentioned her earlier, Dr. T. She um, she's the one who originated the concept Christian plus. And in my conversations with Danielle, when she's working with people, she starts them at the point of their sexuality. She feels like if I can get you to embrace your who you are as a sexual being, everything else will fall into place. Mm -hmm. I start people with how they view scripture mm -hmm. because the default question for most black Christians is, well, what does the Bible say about that? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Right. And that is the question that settles every argument for them, mm -hmm. whatever the Bible says. And 
for a lot of people, that's just insufficient because what if the Bible says a whole lot of stuff and they're contradicting? Or what if the Bible says absolutely nothing about the matter? Then what do we do? So what we've shifted in our ministry is replacing that default question. And this is what I wrote about in Breaking All the Rules. This is the premise of my book, Breaking All the Rules. How do we replace the default question? What does the Bible say about that? Mm -hmm. with a new default question how does the greatest commandment apply here mm, mm -hmm. how Absolutely. do i yeah how do i apply love for god mm -hmm. through love for my neighbor as myself to this particular matter right and when we use that framework it is much more liberative it is much more just it is filled with more grace and mm -hmm. more mercy and mm -hmm. more compassion and more empathy and i just believe it makes the world a better place Amen, brother. Amen. Awesome. Christian, we thank you. And before we sign off, can you tell people how to connect with you, where to find you, that kind of thing? Absolutely. You can connect with me at ChristianASmith.com. Uh, from there, you can get plugged into Holy Smokes um, and, and learn about the podcast and the podcast community. You can get plugged into the faith community. Uh, you can learn about my clothing company, P squared. You can order my book. All you got to do is go to christianasmith.com. That's K R I S T I A N middle initial a smith.com. And you can explore from there, but we would love to connect with you on any of those platforms. Awesome. Thank you so much for joining us today, Christian. It has been a true joy and pleasure uh, to have you share with us and we wish you well brother uh keep going strong keep doing what you do uh because your ministry is so needed it is much needed in the world today thank and you. so we bid you adieu this is the righteous ratchet and real podcast we thank you for tuning in don't forget to connect with us on social media and we will see you soon god bless you god keep you be good folks <laughs>